and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Rich Morley was ill for 15 years, medically retired from work, and living on sickness benefits when he luckily met a teacher of authentic Tai Chi. Practicing every day, he set out to fix his health, and to his delight, he eventually succeeded. Since then, he has traveled thousands of miles to study with the masters and grandmasters of the internal arts. He has trained extensively in Qigong and meditation to complement his training. He is an international level Tai Chi instructor, judge, and gold medal winner, and has published three books on the art of Tai Chi. His first book, The Tai Chi Class, was published in 2017. Over the past 20 years, Rich has worked with elite athletes, martial artists, entrepreneurs, hospitals, colleges, and universities. He has been featured by the BBC, Sky TV, Life, the Huddersfield University Press, and the European Journal of Integrative Medicine. When he isn't practicing, he loves to be hanging out with his family and mountain biking. You can find him on Facebook and on his website, richmorley.com. Rich, what an honor it is to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Hi, Casey. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's good to be here. It's, it's great to have you. You're calling in from England. Is that correct? That's right. I am. That's great. I've seen a lot of... County of oh, nice. That's great. I've seen a lot of really crazy videos over the years, most of them like cat videos or, you know, things that were kind of doctored. But I, I until, very, uh-huh. until very recently, I don't think I've ever seen a rugby player not be able to knock over a guy who's standing on one leg. What is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. The thing about Tai Chi that most people don't realize, Casey, is that like um, it's an incredibly high level. It's the highest level of martial arts. So we can. There's a say, there's a saying about really high level Tai Chi. It either looks fake or it looks like, like magic. And as you can see from the video, I'm just standing there casually. There's no strings or wires attached, and nothing can happen. So essentially what I'm doing there is I'm neutralizing his force with a thing in Tai Chi we call Hua to neutralize. So his power just become become dissipated so I can't be moved. Wow. It's very unusual. (laughs) Now, you know, I didn't start out like that for as 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 you outlined for many years. I was I was very ill. I could hardly stand up, my legs would give way under me and you know, I had to have a scribe whilst I was at university because I couldn't use my hands to do my writing for my exams. So it was a big old mess with that. So stand, so in Tai Chi, we have a thing called uh, becoming stable as a mountain. And as you can see from that, that's what happened there. I had the captain, because we've got a super league in England, which is like, um, you know, highest level of rugby. I had the uh, captain of one of the teams come to see, come to see me one, one day. And he thought, um, he said, I need a bit of relaxation and, uh, you know, Tai Chi's for old people and it's a bit relaxing. And he was a bit, he was a bit dismissive of it. So I said, I'll show you a few things if you want, because really it's the highest level of martial art. He's like, no way. It's just old people moving around slowly. So this is when I, back in the day when I taught public classes many years ago. So um, I said, I'll do a little demonstration for you. So as you saw in that video where I was standing on one, one leg, I just put one hand out, stood on one leg, and I let him push on my hand as hard as he possibly could. And I didn't go anywhere. So he got a little frustrated by that. So next time he came around, he was getting a bit angry with me. And I went, tell you what, I'll show you something else. So I got him to push on my hands while I, I stepped around my hands. So my hands remained in space. My body wasn't behind him, which freaked him out some more. So the third time he came around, 
I got him to push on my hand. Now, this does seem unbelievable, but I'm going to demonstrate to anybody. Uh, I hopped up and down so there could be no force traveling to the ground. And it still felt like he was pushing on my hand. I mean, on the floor. So he said, let me give you one more try. And this is like, you know, a guy who's paid a lot of money to be able to knock people over on a daily basis. Uh, I let him push on my hands and he actually put his foot up on the wall and tried to lever through me because he couldn't do anything. Needless to say, never came back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really remarkable. It, it's so interesting, your journey. You mentioned a little bit. I want to go into greater detail about you know what you were experiencing. I think a lot of people would think, okay, this guy's a Tai Chi master. He must have been a natural you know, from birth. And that certainly wasn't the case for you. Can you go into a little bit greater detail of some of the things you struggled with growing up? Surely. Uh, let me just start by saying for the for many years of my life, even before I got ill and all the way through the time I was ill, I was the world's clumsiest and least coordinated person. And as an academic, I just lived in my, my head. So when I was um, 17 years old, I was like, um, I was walking on the road one day and all the energy seemed like it had been sucked out of me and I couldn't work quite work out what was going on. And then over the next few years, I just started to feel worse. And I started to develop pains. So I'd go back to the doctors and the doctors would send me for tests for arthritis and this and that. And uh, they never came up with anything conclusive. And I, I, you know, as a young man, I still had some energy and stuff. I was having a good time of life still, but I progressively got worse and worse. And after about six years, I finally saw a consultant who gave me a diagnosis. I had fibromyalgia. Now, fibromyalgia is generally something that middle-aged people get. And when you, if you get it when you're young, it affects you a lot worse. So essentially, it's a fatigue syndrome. So I was exhausted all the time. I could never get any deep restorative sleep. Um, so I'd always be waking up constantly with micro wakes, even if I went to try to go to sleep. So I was exhausted. I was in agony. And the pain affecting muggle, muscles, ligaments, and tendons and it actually moves around your body because it could be in your shoulder and your hip at one point. And you're trying to get used to that, but then it suddenly moves and it's in both of your hands. And then when I get up in the morning, my entire body would be like stiffened up and I could hardly move. I'd drop things repeatedly on my feet because my hands would, couldn't hold things. My legs would give way under me. Mainly when I was going up and down stairs, so I fell down a fair old bit. And as I was saying previously, by the time I was at university, I had to do my exams a year after everyone else did. I got too ill to finish. And then I had a scribe because I couldn't really hold the pen for three hours plus. Uh, I, I, le I left university, got a little bit better. I worked for some time in various jobs, but the drugs that your medical profession gave me didn't really help me. I was just getting worse and worse. And then I was eventually medically retired for a while for my job and I was living on sickness benefits. So I was depressed, had brain fog, was in agony, uh, uh, get constant headaches, couldn't focus. I was just in a terrible state and I really did feel as if I'd been going into a wheelchair. And this, this went on, this had, this, before I found Tai Chi, this had gone on all in all for about 15 years. And I, I'd just about given up all hope. Went went to see a support group of other people like me. And they were just all complaining and just measuring how bad their symptoms were. And I was like, well, this doesn't really suit me. I don't like it. And they said, look, Rich, get used to it. If you can't do the things you could do before, you're disabled. 
and just get used to it. And that labeling really didn't help me because I bought into it myself. So I, you can imagine the struggle it was to get out of, out of that hole I was in. I tried, I tried many, many different things. I tried all the drugs the doctors could offer me and I tried various therapies, but, but nothing really, really helped at all. You know, uh, I'd spend most of my day having to sit down. Anyway, my friend said to me one day, she's like, Rich, you really should try Tai Chi. And I'd given up on everything by this point. And I'd really, you know, using alcohol to medicate to try and numb the pain. Just in a terrible old state sitting around my house. And she's like, come with me. And then she couldn't go. So after a couple of weeks of her saying, let's go and her not being able to go, I dragged myself one day up to the Tai Chi class. And I had to haul my ass up like three flights of stairs. And I got into the Tai Chi class and there was a, a Chinese gentleman stood, stood chatting with some people in the corner. So I thought, oh, well, there's a teacher. So I, I went over to him. I didn't really know what to do and what the protocol was really with that. So I just introduced myself and sort of half bowed because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I said, hi, I'm Rich. I've come for the class. And he seemed a little standoffish. I thought it was very strange for a teacher. And then a couple of minutes later, a... Uh, a white guy called Colin came in and he was a teacher and that was a uh, chef in a Chinese restaurant I've been talking to. <laughs> so I made a bit of a fool of myself to start with. Anyway, I tried my first class out, sat down lots during it, but I persevered through, which was quite something because it was a two-hour class. And as I said, I was really uncoordinated and had no control over my body really, but for the shortest period when I left the class, I felt a little bit better, better than I had done in quite a few years. And that made me want to try it again. So like, um, you know, I had to stay in bed the next day because I was so exhausted from what I'd done. And I tried to practice a little bit of what I'd, I'd vaguely learned whilst I'd been there, but I couldn't do very much. And uh, yeah, so I dragged myself back the next week, tried a little harder, practiced a little bit more and I just started to feel a little bit better. And it was just a, like an afterglow after the class, but I started to say, hang on, this could really help me. So that's when I started to practice more and I started to talk to my teacher about how I could go deeper with it. And fortunately he was a teacher of authentic Tai Chi because what most people don't realize is that like um, most Tai Chi is just, it really is what most people think. It's slow waving your arms about movement, which is generally relaxing and, and helps with balancing all the people and stuff. But we don't realize that, like, back in the day, it used to be taught to the Yellow Banner Squadron, who were the uh, elite bodyguards of a Chinese royal family who used to guard them at the Forbidden Palace in Beijing. Um, for, for many years, it was a super secret martial art, only taught within the families and taught to two of the bodyguards. But after China fell in the early part of the 20th century, no one wanted elite-level killing skills anymore. But fortunately, Tai Chi is incredibly, incredibly good for your health because it's got all the secrets of the Taoist health practices in there. So then people started paying, like, for instance, Master Yang Chen Fu was driving a, a Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow around Beijing at that point because he was being paid 10,000 golden yuan per month by a general to fix his health for him. Statue like masters lived into 80s and 90s with no health care. And back in the day, people mainly dying in their early 30s in, in uh, China. 
So that's when Tai Chi sort of switched over for health. But you really need the the real deal of Tai Chi to get all of those benefits out. And as I say, fortunately, my teacher was just that. Mm. He luckily studied with a, a lineage master um, from Beijing for uh, 11 years and with various other people. So he had real, real, real goods to drop on me. So all it was a matter of was, was working what they gave me and, and building up one piece at a time. It was, it was incredibly hard. I was never had any talent, as I say. People see what I can do now and go, wow, you must be so gifted and talented, Rich. But it was sheer determination and hard work, Casey, that got me there. Nothing else. Wow. Wow. So I really enjoy studying Tao and Taoist principles. The Tao Te Ching is one of my favorite uh, teachings. What is it specifically about Tao and Taoism that has healing properties? That's not per se. It's not a Taoism per se. That's got some refined spiritual uh, aspects, certainly to give to people's lives. But the the Taoists were um, natural. Yeah, the Taoists were inclined to try to live the longest, fullest life that they could within the world. You know, many ascetics try to uh, escape from the world and are not bothered about that because they feel that they're going to move on, let's say, spiritually at some point or other. But Taoists spent a lot of time investigating the the insides of a human body, developing interoception, developing the feelings, developing the energetic practices. So they'd already built up all of these longevity practices already. Now, the history of Tai Chi is really murky. Everyone thinks it's probably thousands of years old, and there are antecedent arts to this, but but Yang-style Tai Chi, which I'm in one of the, well, just about the best lineage of the world now, that only has only existed like as Tai Chi since, let's say, the mid-1850s, when a Taoist priest at the, at the Royal Palace saw Master Yang Lu Chan demonstrating and wrote a poem about it, um, being like the supreme principles of the universe. So that's when it got the name Tai Chi. Before that, it was called spirit boxing or ghost boxing or some other things because people believe you're using the spirits of your ancestors to attack people because it looked so crazy when you threw someone across the room with one finger, as I can demonstrate, and things like that, you know? So what happened at some point back in the day was... The Taoists, probably on Mount Wudang and Mount Hua and a few other um, famous Taoist enclaves like that, they'd already got the health practices and, and, and the energetic practices for health and longevity. And they seem to have gotten married with the, the finest of martial arts to create super martial arts. There's a possibility that because, like, um, yeah, you know, if you're a great warlord or a general or something and you'd failed in battle, you had two choices often in China at that time, which was to kill yourself or be sent away to become a monk. And a lot of them took that option and moved to these places so they will have seen what was going on and then somehow synthesized the, as I say, super elite martial arts out of it. So there are a few different internal arts. Um, tai Chi is just one of them. but um, And Tai Chi, funnily enough, translates as su- Tai Chi Tuan, which is his real name, translates as Supreme Ultimate Boxing or Supreme Ultimate Martial Art, funnily enough. So it's all there in the name. Mm. 
Wow, so interesting. What other surprising things did you learn about yourself as you were going through the process of learning this, um, you know, this internal art? Quite a few things, really. I felt that found that I couldn't still persevere in the face of everything, which you know had been beaten out of me for for so long, you know. And really, that that perseverance, but that. You know, I mean, my brain fog was so bad that I, I couldn't memorize the Tai Chi movement forms. So I had to get a, a book photocopied of the movements and then stick the individual postures on the wall with the transitional movements. So I could use those as a reference as I practiced. But uh, what surprised me was what's inside of the body once you start to develop the, the internal feelings and the internal energy. Might seem a bit woo-woo to people, but once you can feel it, you can feel it for yourself. And I can actually demonstrate what goes on to people externally. So the I found I was amazed to find this vast internal world where you can have the most amazing feelings. Quite frankly, as well, it makes you feel wonderful in, on the inside. You've got the health, you've got the great feelings, but you actually start to feel just wonderful. And it's very unusual. In fact, you get generate such great feelings that it actually feels better than sex. And it goes on throughout the day. It's just just in there. And some of the some of the stranger things you can feel, although you can feel the flows of your energy through your meridians and stuff like this. Um, in fact, in Tai Chi, it turns out that you can create eight extraordinary meridians are called like the Ren and the Do channels. One goes up the back, over the top of head and down the front, and the other one goes the other way. <clears throat> and you create um, an energetic center just below your belly button and in towards the middle, which is called the Dantian or Sea of Chi. So to find these things within my body that we could create were quite something. And you get in some of the special states you can find yourself in, where you find an amazing oneness with everything. And you start to feel smooth on the inside. And then you start to feel the energy rolling through the body, moving through meridians and actually animating the body. So I don't know if you've seen one of my videos where uh, I have a guy um, traps my arm against my body by um, really leaning in and putting one hand on my elbow, one on my wrist and pressing it right against my body so I can't use any discrete muscular force or anything to move him. And my arm's empty and just like a hose pipe, I fill it up with chi. And they do it very slowly. And he just has to, he, he just has, pins my arm and he has to move away from me, even though physiologically you can't do that because we can put this stuff, we have this stuff inside of us. So I found, I found those things quite amazing, you know. Wow. One of the stranger ones is your body starts to feel, uh, it can feel empty on the inside, like it's massive, like super massive and cavernous. Which, which is quite an interesting feeling. And then there's so many levels to Tai Chi, which is another thing that's amazed me, is that you can constantly be going deeper. The Fad Jin, the, the gins where, you know, where I throw people around, if have you seen that, that's actually quite low-level stuff. You get higher, and then the levels get even crazier. Mm. And then once I found I could make people stick to my hand, <laughs> I was totally blown away. Wow. That's so crazy. It's like some Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so, okay. So I was going to ask you, like, let's say you and I were the same height, the same weight, the same physical strength. We could maybe lift the same amount of weight or something. I was going to ask what it was that's different about you. That's different than me where, you know, 
I, you can kill me 20 times in one second and I might be able to like slap you in the hand or something. Um, is it, is it that harnessing of energy, um, that, that sets you apart from me, for example? Uh, yeah, we work on a different, yeah, Tai Chi, we run on a different engine. You know, the Tai Chi movement forms, you see where people move around slowly and then flowing movements, very essentially similar to a karate kata let's say, you know, fighting movement training. But that's, uh, everyone in the West comes to a Tai Chi class and expects to learn that first, but it really, authentically, you'd learn that last because you have to create the stuff to put inside of it. So we we create something called the Tai Chi entity, or some people call it the Tai Chi beast or Tai Chi creature. So we're repatterning our body and changing what's going on in the inside. So we run on a different engine to regular people. Thusly, we're much more. We can create much more power within ourselves than other people. And because we have deep relaxation exercises, like when uh, when a guy and I st- when I stand on one foot, for instance, and a guy pushes on my hand, I can neutralize his power, but I can also just send the, the his force through my my body through my arm, through my body, and down through my leg into the floor so it passes straight through me because my body is clear and free of tension so there's no stuckness and holding inside for that force to catch in any way. So, yeah, the difference is we run on a different engine. Our body body becomes much more robust and our power source is different. We're not using, you know, we're not using levers and we're not using muscles the same as other people. Surely you've still got to use your muscles, but it's in a minimal way uh, comparatively. So we, yeah, so we can generate, you know, 10 times much more power than everyone else. Mm. Just so we can make people's feet leave the floor effortlessly, you know, like a 16 stone mark and just launch him if I want to. And then, of course, the other difference is we develop so we use a thing called uh, jam jong or post standing which helps you to train your body so you stand still but with various physical principles in there and and various practices while you're standing still and this eventually leaves your body clear and when your body becomes empty enough let's say it starts to fill with a different energy called pong now, once once the body fills with pung, that means that kicks and punches just bounce off you. For instance, you know the rugby player you saw running at me in that video? Yeah. He's a martial artist as well. And I've let him, I've let him punch me repeatedly, and he did nothing. So he's like, yeah, well, in, in competition and stuff, I've, I've fights, I've had real great... Um, I do a really good kick into the leg and it destroys the leg and takes the leg out and then um, the person goes down. So I know I can't punch you and that doesn't do anything, but surely I can kick you. Now, I don't want punching and kicking, you know, who does? But it really doesn't do anything <laughs> too much. So I said, what's that kick? He went, well, it's a kick into the into the leg to take the leg out. I'm like, well, kick me in my thigh really, really hard, just like you would do. He's like, no, I don't want to hurt you. I'm like, give it a go. So he did the like uh, Muay Thai roundhouse kick in, in, in my upper thigh. Uh, and I just laughed at him. So he did it again. And by about the sixth kick, he had to stop because it was hurting his leg too much to carry on. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's so amazing. as you can see, it's, it, 
it, it is. It's crazy. I mean, I can even take punches into my solar plexus nowadays, and that doesn't do anything. Wow. <laughs> That's so interesting. So is this is this type of energy accessible to everybody? And it's just that most of us haven't done the work to get where you are, or is it something where some people are more gifted than others and have this ability to a greater level than other people? Ah, well, some, some people, the uh, saying in Tai Chi is if you're not talented at it, then you work 10 times as hard than you'll get there. We all have the same body. We all have the same capabilities. You know, some people are more talented than other people, certainly. But as I said to you, I was never gifted with movement principles, but now I, I can move like a motherfucker. You know, I can, I can, my movement capability is ridiculous. I can move on the almost a micrometer scale. I can move internally and do all of this other stuff. So, yeah, if you're with the right training and perseverance and putting in the, the work, anyone can achieve it. Mm. But it's having the stuff to put inside of it. It's having the secrets, which have always been kept secret from us. Mm. And that's the thing, you know. If you don't, if you don't have the, the, the true knowledge, you'll never, ever get there. You know, you could take three lifetimes and you can't work it out yourself. Wow. The people who came up with these, this stuff got passed down for long periods of time and people refined it and put further things on. And as I said, there are, there are quite a few different mar uh, internal martial arts. I personally, I study four of them, Tai Chi predominantly. How does breath work fit into all of this? I know that's something that's very important to you as well. Right. Yeah. Well, I've learned many, many breathing practices throughout my time, you know, from my training in Tai Chi, from my training in the other martial arts, from my training in Qigong, which is like health and energy practice exercises. They all have a, a, a deep um, basis in breathing, you know, like for, with martial arts, you can uh, learn to superpower your punches and kicks with specific uh, types of breathing like um, reverse breathing and and making specific sounds and in tai chi although we do use energy we also use pneumatics so that's all there so i benefited very much from learning breathing especially with the qigong and stuff which builds your energy and builds your health so i studied you know i think i think i've studied like 26 or so different types of breathing over the years um, but you know, for many years I was a traditional Tai Chi teacher and then I helped lots of people to try and fix their health. But then I started to try and to strip out the practices and the secrets, which could help people, which you wouldn't have access to, to make it accessible to people. Uh, and what I've done with the breathing is, although, you know, in some of my programs, like, um, a hundred day kick-ass man program or my kick-ass health, health programs. I do teach specific ways of breathing. I also teach one-off or, or two-session breathing sessions because it's so everything I do is really powerful, Casey. But with the breathing, you can help someone in real time, which is so amazing to be able to do. You know, because most people aren't breathing right anyway. With when we when we're born and when we're a little kid, we breathe diaphragmatically and we take deep, slow, long breaths and our our breathing works great, but all time with life and with, you know, patterning on other people as we grow up, 
people don't breathe right. They don't get a good CO2 oxygen exchange. We don't get enough oxygen in. And people who are anxious and, and stressed, they often cause a lot of the stress themselves, unfortunately. We don't realize that through their breathing patterns. Often the chronic mouth breathers, which raises your blood pressure, they're breathing into their upper chest, which means you're going to breathe more rapidly. And with the rapidity of your breathing, then that get, the diaphragm sends messages to your brain that you're in a fight or flight state. So all the stress hormones like noradrenaline, adrenaline, and cortisol all get dumped into your system constantly. So there's no relief from it. So actually just teaching someone who's suffering from stress how to breathe correctly, which naturally slows it down and takes it out from the chest, starts to give them benefits straight away. And then if I teach some, some techniques that they can use, again, straight away to reduce the amount of stress they're feeling or to rapidly um, calm down the sympathetic nervous system when it's all overly aroused, it, it's, just, it's amazing to see, you know. In fact, I just wrote a post on Facebook about it today because a, a lot of people say the same things. They either say, wow, that's amazing, or... I can't believe I've got to this age and only just now learning how to breathe properly. Yeah, you just get blown away by it. So I'm very big on the breathing because it can help people really quickly. You know, I can help to turn someone's life around in in under sixty minutes in a session, which is quite quite wonderful. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you have like one or two of your favorite techniques to help get somebody to start to breathe in and out through the nose and stop breathing in and out through the mouth so much. Yeah, yeah. People need to one to start to develop an awareness of it. The, pro- the problem is with the you see the ma- the mouth breathing. It's like I had a client I was working with him like last year, and he signed up for my Kickass Man program, and and he the strange thing was he was a martial artist himself, but He'd never been taught how to be properly. He came to me, it started that, but then he, he admitted to me he's having to go to his doctors every day to get his blood pressure measured because he was in a dangerous high level and he might have a heart attack at any point in the field. So we, we looked into his breathing and realized he was a chronic mouth breather. And I taught him how to breathe properly and within two days his blood pressure dropped down to an acceptable and manageable level. The doctors couldn't believe it. Wow. And he stuck with it. So what, so trouble with mouth breathers is if you're breathing through your mouth, you, there are certain processes your body needs that can only come through breathing through your nose. Your nose just doesn't like cool the air and act as a dust filter and stuff. Like, you know, if you breathe through your nose, it actually releases uh, nitric oxide, not nitrous oxide, laughing gas, as I once accidentally told someone, but nitric oxide and various parts of your system need that. So um, mouth breathing is just really dangerous with the high blood pressure and various other things it can affect. The trouble is, if you're, in mouth, if you're a mouth breather, your nose starts to close up and uh, they often feel that they can't breathe very well through the nose, which leads to more mouth breathing and more shallow breathing. So one, if, if somebody's a mouth breather, they have to start to consciously breathe through the nose to start to open their, their airways up so it can actually start to take a decent amount of oxygen in. So we need to start to recognize that. And then they would need to basically start to practice some deep diaphragmatic breathing. Now, on the simplest level, because there are, diff- so there are many levels to the breathing I take, on the simplest level for someone to want to start to 
take the breathing down from intercostal chest breathing and drop it down so we're opening the lungs up more, taking more air in, et cetera, et cetera, and getting a good CO2 oxygen exchange is the simplest way to do that is to relax the chest and relax the belly muscles because if they're breathing up into the chest and breathing rapidly like that, then they start to co-opt the chest muscles and neck muscles into it, which um, creates more tension, more stress, and sends more messages to the brain. You're in a fight-or-flight situation. So dropping the attention down into the lower belly, you can put the hands onto the lower belly to help, and then just as they breathe in, I, ideally through the nose, just letting the belly expand, just pushing it out because artificially pushing it out and pulling in a little bit, as you push it out, that's naturally going to pull the diaphragm down. The diaphragm opens the lungs up as that stretches down, the lungs open up, and then you take more air in. And then as you pull your belly gently, we want, don't want any tension, we pull the belly in and that lets, releases the diaphragm and that goes up and the air expels out. So if people focus upon that, just expanding the belly, condensing the belly and focusing the tension down there, naturally we're going to start to take more air in. They'll be able to start to use the nose better and not the mouth. And then they'll also actually be able to make it natural to them. And by dint of the fact that they're breathing to the belly, we can't really breathe to that, but it's going breathing to the lower lobes of the lungs. Then it's slowing the breathing down. So low and slow is how you want to do it. Because most people breathe too rapidly and you don't have enough time to take enough air in. So that's a simple way to do it. Breathing in and out through the nose, expand the belly on the in-breath, condense or pull the belly in nice and gently on the out-breath. And if you're feeling a bit stressed, that's naturally going to put them in a more relaxed zone and they're just going to feel better because the breath's working. And of course, you, you know, your immune system you, utilizes your breath to help pump lymph around your system, which is so important for a strong immune system. So weak breathing often leads to a weakened immune system as well. Wow. Yeah, that's so amazing. I love how simple you made those techniques. We couldn't agree more. We were fortunate enough to have uh, Patrick McEwen on our show, and we talked a, lo a lot about those same things. I do have to say, dude, Rich, um, man, a side note, you're onto something. I think you found your million-dollar idea when you talked about nitrous oxide. If we could figure out a way to get people on nitrous oxide all the time through breathing, everybody <laughs> would have a great time. That's a great idea, dude. <laughs> the whole world just got Completely. so much happier. <laughs> It really, really, really would. You know, people try and teach laughter therapy, but just a good old dose of nitrous oxide, <laughs> boom, and away you go. <laughs> Especially in my country where everybody just needs to calm down. That would be a really good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> well, until we Oh yeah. I spend a lot of time I spend a lot of time over over in America. My, my partner's um my partner's from Los Angeles, um, so and that she's half English, so we spend a lot of time over in, in uh, Massachusetts in the Boston area. So yeah, I know where you're coming from. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. I also want to talk to you a little bit about the importance of posture and what you've learned along the way about um, how posture affects our day-to-day -day life. Sure. I mean, a lot of it's stuff I teach. As I say, I've stripped out to help people more, but when I set out to help people, it's simply because I'd found so much benefit from all of these. And again, posture is one of them. It's incredibly important for your martial arts, of course, but it's incredibly important for your health. And 
you know, I was a, I was I was a hunchback. I was like a hunchback in Notre Dame, staggering around with forward head posture, collapsed chest, and rolled spine. And it actually took me quite some time, well over a year, to be able to straighten up fully because my muscles had shortened. So the problems with bad posture are, especially now in our sitting down culture, Casey. It's a Everybody's developing bad posture, and the use of smartphones, you see people hunching over them, whether they're standing or sitting, and it's just developing really, really, really bad posture. Now, trouble is, bad posture leads to all sorts of bad shit once again. So if we take the uh, case of like forward head posture, which everyone's starting to develop now, otherwise known as text neck is one of the things they're calling it nowadays. When For every inch your head goes forward, it starts to double the load on your on your body and especially on your lower back so it your head weighs roughly about the size of the same as a bowling ball so you imagine trying to hold a bowling ball up all day if it's if it's on, sat on top of your neck and stacked up on top of your body with good structure you know because we're always fighting gravity to stay up white it's the best we've got but unfortunately as the head goes forward it starts to put more strain on the lower back and then it starts to compress the chest. So you're compressing your heart. You're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. You don't get enough uh, blood to your brain. And then the muscles in the in your knee muscles start to shorten at the front of the body. So you start to not be able to straighten up. And as you go forward, your vertebrae are closing all, all in there and everything, your back and your spine, everything starts to, to go to shit. Then it affects your nervous system. Sitting down all the time with bad posture compresses your bowels, as we're seeing the rising cancers. And uh, bad circulatory issues and all of the rest just lead from that bad posture. And just the actual pain and tension it, it creates in people. You, you, you know, you might know yourself if you've been hunched over a laptop working away for some time, the pain in the neck and the strain and the tension, and the pain in the shoulders and in the lower back. It all leads to a you know an unsatisfactory living experience, doesn't it? We want to be as free of pain and, and strain as we possibly can be. But unfortunately, because people don't recognize or realize the posture and they think, oh, that's just how I am, they don't do anything about it. And it, it it's so important on so many, so many levels to have just good posture. People can simply, you know, change their posture while they're sitting. They can set themselves up a bit by sitting the head up on top of the neck nicely and the centre of the shoulders over the centre of the hips. So we've got the, the spine supporting them and the body supporting them. Naturally, you're going to move around while you're sitting or standing, but if we're not leaning forward and we can get out of these habits, then we're using less strain and less tension to hold ourselves up. Also, we've got more energy to do things if we're not fighting gravity and we're not all bound up and we're not fighting away like that. So. Posture is incredibly important. We have interviewed also Danny Dreyer, who also practices Tai Chi. Um, he wrote the book Chi Running and Chi Walking. And it, it seems to oh, me, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he talks a lot about posture as well. And that upright, you know, holding your shoulders together, holding your spine tall, you know, making as much of a straight line as you can while you're walking or running. That seems to be a really great way to add movement to that posture to also help fix it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I don't know if you needed to have such big books on the subject, but yeah. Uh, so, certainly, you know, I mean, you, 
well, for running or any type of sports, better posture allows you to have more power and better control of it. If you see a lot of people when they're out running, they, they lean overly forwards. And, and what's happening there is because, because walking and running for most people is just controlling. So when you see people walking down the street and they trip up over the tiniest thing, they do a little bit of a run and then look around and pretend they're like they set off, <laughs> wanted to set off running and then they carry on walking. I do that. Because the balance <laughs> is being disturbed and they almost fall over. You know, that, that's a problem for many people. When I, I ran the UK's first um, stroke re- Tai Chi for stroke rehabilitation study a couple of years ago, in conjunction with Huddersfield University for uh, the National Health Service in, in the UK. So we, we ran it for a year at a, at, a, at a hospital. And my remit was to stop people falling over because it costs hundreds of millions a year simply for people who've had strokes and fall over generally within six months of having the stroke and then back up in hospital. So because people's walking is generally controlled falling, uh, my my job was to repattern how, and it was very unusual because well, there have been stroke studies with Tai Chi done in the past, but mainly people who've been out, have had a stroke three years previously, not people who've just out of hospital who I worked with. And so I had to use I, I used some Tai Chi. Uh, in in Tai Chi, we think called cat stepping or, or walking like a cat which essentially means the foot goes out empty. We're not putting our, our, our stepping straight into it. You know, if you've seen the fil- film Kill Bill when Uma Thurman's with the sword and she's stepping backwards, the foot goes back first and then she steps into it. Uh, and that's sound, sound advice because if you just commit into that leg, you could easily trip up over something or fall over, whereas you can change stuff. So my balance now, which used to be, to be terrible, I... I'm stable omnidirectionally, so I, I'm stable in all directions. I even made a video for a client just wearing some some Crocs with no 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 grip on them whatsoever, going around at high speed in all directions whilst holding a phone and laughing to prove to him I could just move in any direction at high speed with complete stability. So what I did for those people, and I'm just doing for another person actually, is taught them how to reorientate what they're doing so their their balance is now up and uh, the control is up and down so one leg feels if it's sinking to the center of the earth over is free to step and with control of your center of gravity and control of your structure and balance then you're never out of balance because for a lot of people who've had strokes they fear walking anywhere because often you know i've worked with people who can't feel three quarters of a leg or a foot or anything and that leads to you know great worry about going out anywhere and doing anything so if you can repattern the way that people step and give them better balance again then they they feel much more comfortable in what they're doing mm. so if it works for stroke um, survivors it can also work for athletes you know i've worked with a few international level um rugby players i even i taught um a uh, an elite level golfer who beat tiger woods that's who it was and he only been for one day in a competition wow. but uh, i i taught him because uh, his balance wasn't quite as good and his power potential wasn't quite as good but i taught him some of this stuff uh, uh, as well and it, that helped him a heck of a lot too so you know with, with running and stuff because that's high impact you can actually train yourself so the foot still goes out empty and then you shift into it. So that lowers all the impact. And especially for people who, say joggers, for instance, who just like run on 
hard surfaces like concrete, pavements and stuff. It's just, you know, jarring to all the joints and destroying all of the joints over time Some in some cases. So it can take all of that out so you can run further with less energy used more stably and with less damage to your body. Mm. As we're talking about all this stuff, you know, posture and walking and balance and stability, to me, that all starts at the foot. And in Danny's book, Chi Running, he's got a great story about encountering a Chinese lady at the shoe store who says to him, like, I don't know why you Americans wear these shoes, these commercial shoes. All they do is make your feet stupid. <laughs> and I think that is fantastic. Can you talk about the importance of, you know, minimal footwear or walking barefoot or just learning how to use the foot more in our day-to-day -day lives? Okay, I mean the problem is with a day to life. Day life is when we've got these built up shoes which are artificial in shape, so they they change the orientation of your foot. You know, ladies wandering around in stilettos and shit. It's really not very good on many levels for them. So that that that's not cool. But yeah, I mean, for instance, with my feet, funnily enough, I'm a I um I actually went up a shoe size over time with my tai chi because my feet relaxed and released all the tension in them <laughs> actually wow. went up to shoe size which is unfortunate because i was a british size 12 which is an american size 13 to begin with and now <laughs> i'm an american size 14 i'm a british 13 because it's, it's relaxed your feet are so important for many many reasons casey so with running for instance you can actually start to use the foot more like um, somewhat of a spring if you're running and you don't um, end up with the, the heel strike and the, the foot goes down sort of moving more towards the, the middle of the foot. Then it, it it's not as jarring and you can use the force that's generated to power the next step on and on like that. So that's really important for people that, because the shoes, often with a lot of people who are running, they're really incredibly built up in the heel. You need something flat so you can actually feel the floor. You know, I ask people to tell me if they can feel the feet, and most people can't feel the feet unless they, they stub the toe on, on the corner of a table when they're walking around the living room or something. So if they're cut off from the feet, and the, the feet are really important, you know, in Tai Chi we say the energy rises from a thing called the bubbling well point, which is just at the back of a two balls of feet and in the middle and that's where energy rises up and you can actually feel this bubbling and rising of energy at some point when you get to a certain level but for other people because our feet are bound and because uh, we have you know people sprain their ankles a lot because we're walking on concrete in artificial shoes and naturally if you're walking on um the terrain you, you would have done way back in the day then your feet will need to be flexible and mold themselves somewhat to the terrain and your ankles need to move, have that flexibility in and move so you could walk on uneven surfaces and still remain balanced. But as you can see with people nowadays, they just sprain their ankles or fall over and stuff because they're just used to walking on concrete, flat surfaces all the time. Now, if you many people, you've heard of acupressure where people press certain points on the feet to affect certain organs or meridians or whatever like that. Back in the day when you'd have nothing on your feet, or let's say in China with some cloth um, sole shoes, then your feet are naturally getting massaged by the by the conditions you're walking in. So you're getting that acupressure for free. 
you know, and, and people just don't walk enough anyway. But the body is designed for movement and the body is designed to run and your body is designed to walk. And it needs to have a certain amount of walking every day for the systems in the body to be balanced. For instance, when you see a lot of older people, when the health really starts to decline, you'll notice after the legs become weak, they start to lose it in the legs and then they go rapidly downhill. Now, for a long, the, the, the legs have been called the second heart, and that's for a very good reason, because they help to pump blood around your system. You've got a thing in the heel called the venous plexa, which is like a little pump, and that actually, with each step, pumps the blood back up and stops it pooling in the legs and in the feet. So your circulation relies on your feet and on movement to keep you in the best tippity-top state. So I recommend people to get less built-up shoes. There's a lot of people barefoot running now, but that's not for everybody. But you can get a much flatter-soled shoe and learn how to run so you're not having that much impact on your joints. And then they'll be happier and have a much better balance and much better joints just from using that shit. Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's so many great band, brands of, of barefoot shoes or minimalist shoes out there. Um, the lots that we recommend. Um, couldn't agree more with the walking mm. thing. It's really funny. When I transitioned over to a minimalist, more minimalist footwear or walking barefoot, when I see uneven ground yeah. or like kind of a field of, of small stones, I get so excited. It's foot massage mm. time for sure. It feels so good mm. to connect with the earth in that way yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, to, and to kind of feel the bumps in between and actually be able to feel it. It's it's yeah. really quite incredible. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're so I, glad. I, com I completely agree. Yeah. Good. And then there's the grounding aspect of it as well, which is so important to us, which people don't do. They never get that contact to the earth, and that they're missing out on that as well, which is really important for people. So just going outside and standing in your garden for a few minutes per day is incredibly beneficial to the health. People don't even realize that. Mm, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, that's amazing. How are you working with people these days? If somebody wanted to work with you, what would that look like? It just depends. Nowadays, after, after this last year and a half, of course, a lot of my stuff's moved, transitioned online. So I generally... Although, so I work with a lot of people just online because, so I've, I've um, rebuilt how I train people so I can actually do that. So generally, if I'm doing it online, we work through Zoom or some such thing like that, um, where we do video assessments. We do, I do live video um, trainings with them. And then... Um, I put all of the other videos out there with written materials and then we can send messages back and forth. So I can do a quite a good job. It's a little more, it's a little more testing for the elite martial arts to do that. Although I'm just working um, with a couple of people who are building up some of that sort of stuff. And that that's harder to do because as the old saying goes, you need two, four hands to learn Tai Chi, but you can take them to quite a good level like that. So as things are opening up in England now, I'm doing more, um, doing one on more, a bit more one on one things or a hybrid of both where we do some meets and we do some, some stuff online. So, because people really appreciate, you know, getting in a space with someone, especially with the, you know, with such physical things as we teach, it, it makes it a lot easier to be able to like be in the same room as someone. But fortunately, I've managed, um, it was quite hard to do really to, 
make that transition for me, but um, I managed to pull it off and now I've got a much better handle on it. So that's how I do things. That's great. It's awesome that you were able to pivot. We had to do the same. And the whole reason we started this company is so that we could change around the changing times. And it's it's great that you were able to pivot and, and get through everything. That would be incredibly challenging because you're right. Tai Chi is so physical to be in the presence with somebody must be very, very important. Well, Rich, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, I certainly learned a lot from from talking with you. What is one simple tip that you would like to leave with a listener that they can take and apply in their lives? I would say simplest, easiest, well, two things. Slow down your breathing, breathe more deeply. It'll help all the systems, you know, feel better and stand more upright. Balance your shoulders over your hips, balance your head up on top of your neck and just don't fight gravity so much. And, and life will be so much easier for you with better posture and better breathing. And you can do that by yourself without any fancy teachings from me or paying me all the money. Just go out, stand up, breathe. And get out into nature more. Rich, yeah. this has been an awesome conversation. Where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? Okay. Well, they can go to my website, which is richmorley.com, where they can book a 15-minute chat with me about any issues they might have to see if it's a good, we're a good fit to work together. They, if you want to see some of my videos, uh, some of my videos of me throwing people around and doing some crazy ass shit um which would be rich morley tai chi on youtube and if you want to connect with me on facebook just look for rich morley that's where i post most of my content and put some videos up there and i um, give some great advice out on on various bits of posture energy health vitality and mind that's great we will link to all of that in the show notes rich morley thank you so very much for your journey through health um you know, all the persistence it must have taken in those dark days to be able to push through and get to where you are today and then to go out and share your message. It's really inspiring and we really appreciate it. So grateful for you and for your message and for coming on our show today. We're really grateful for you. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, Casey. It's been worth, worth all the hard work and it's great. I can help so many people. Thanks for having me on it. It's been real fun. Absolutely. It's totally been an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. So thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I can't thank you, the listener, enough. We are so grateful for you. This year, 2021, was amazing. We got to talk to so many amazing people around the world and got to learn so much from them. And we actually just passed 80,000 downloads worldwide, which I just, when I started this, could not even fathom that we could reach that many people with the message. And hopefully you have gotten a lot out of this, um, as, as have we. Um, as we start the new year, we just wanted to let you know about some of the resources that we offer at Boundless Body LLC. Please go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. That's myboundlessbody.com. You will see an option to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us so that we can discuss your goals with health and fitness and maybe help you create a plan for the new year. 
Bethany, my wife, also offers uh, virtual mat Pilates classes, which are absolutely amazing. They're very engaging and also very, very affordable. Those can be done live on Mondays and Fridays or also given out as a recording to do at your own convenience. We also offer training and meal planning services that are also done virtually from the safety of your own home. So if you want to avoid the busyness of a gym, we can help show you how to get really fantastic results at home with a very minimal amount of equipment. We've been doing it now for two years. We've gotten pretty good at it. So we are happy to show you that. Once again, that website is myboundlessbody.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really helps um, get this passion project out to more people. So cheers to 2022. And thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.